Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki Porter. And I'm Nadine Smith. And this is Canada Horse Podcast brought to you by Informed Equestrian. We strive to enhance the lives of horse owners by facilitating conversations that make people want to talk. Canada Horse Podcast, we are spotlighting the Canadian horse industry while serving our mission to help bridge the knowledge gap for horse owners by offering the whys behind the decisions we make for our horses from their tack to their trainers to their vet care and everything in between. Our listeners are encouraged to use the information offered here on the Canada Horse Podcast to make informed choices that suit their individual needs. We believe in education over judgment and informed choices over following the crowd. Hello, you are listening to episode number 18 of Canada Horse Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how to make our barns and property the most efficient and safe that they can be. This topic is one that I have personally been excited to cover since we first started, and I think that we've found the perfect person to interview about it. We have Dwayne Job, the president of System Equine with us, and he has a lot of experience with all things barns and property setup. Dwayne started System Equine back in 1987 in Ontario, Canada, and it has become a North American leader in equestrian products from backyard stables to private and boarding stables, as well as commercial operations. Welcome to the show, Dwayne. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, having me. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks so much for coming on and letting us pick your brain today. I think that we will really have some great takeaways for the listeners from this conversation. But before we dig in, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? And did you really start System Equine when you were in high school? Yep. I, uh, I started, I think it was six well, I was 16 when I started and uh, I was working for my dad, had been working for my dad in a feed store since I was about 12 and could hardly touch the uh, pedals on the forklift. And we had a customer come in and ask for just some chain link fence. And we had sold some chain link fence and he said, do you guys install? And I said, kind of thought to myself, yep, yep, we install. And so I went down and looked at the job and uh, went down, looked off the neighbor's fence and then uh, installed it for him, installed it uh, backwards on the wrong side of the fence. So I had to go back down and reinstall it. And uh, then I was in the fencing business after that. About a year later, a customer asked me for some horse fencing. Actually, it wasn't even a year later, but they asked me for some horse fencing and did research on all different types of fencing that was uh, available across Canada and North America and found the brand was actually called Centaur at the time, which is a flexible plastic fencing. And we presented that. The customer really wanted to go with that. And uh, we did a $70,000 fence job when I was 17. And uh, I would use all different people from my high school. I think half the people in my grade above and below and in my grade worked for me at some point in time. (laughs) That's amazing. uh, (laughs) Kind of neat. And then uh, over the years, we were always first or second in North America for sales for the, for the flex fencing. And we're out in the the middle of a field one day and we're like we're selling so much fence maybe we should start to sell horse stalls and uh so we did a little bit of research and and my brother kevin had started with me at the time and he came on and he, we rented a 600 square foot uh, shop in milton ontario and we were in the welding business and we, we we tried to sub it out for the first little bit 
and we just couldn't find anyone with the quality that we wanted and the, and the straight bars and the gauge of steel. And so then uh, we started from scratch and, and designed the horse stalls and then went into Dutch doors and horse exercisers and windows. And, and in about uh, 2010, we had uh, a 33,000 square foot building in Rockwood and we decided uh, we had all this extra space, we should have a tax store. So then we were in the tack business and, and then the farrier business started not too long after that. So it's been a natural progression, but we've always been in the, in the animal or horse business, basically since it was born, my grandfather was in the feed business. And I think the, the main thing it did not being, not having horses directly is we, we found that a lot of times as I call myself a horse person, but as horse people, sometimes we have blinders on and, and we can't see all the stuff that goes on around us. So I, I kind of came in with a different perspective and, and well, why can't we do that? And why wouldn't we do that? And I think it's really helped the business grow over the years. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know what, when you say that, I, that it really speaks to the way that we do things. Cause we're all about just making the choice that's best for you and understanding why you're doing the things you're doing and not just following what you were told 30 years ago was the right thing to do. So I, I think that's just perfect. If you ask uh, 10 horse people, you'll get 11 different answers. So it's, uh, <laughs> For sure. it, it's a very passionate industry that because of the passion, everyone's always right. And it's not always the case. There's always that uh, plan B or C that you can go with. Yeah, 11 very committed answers, hey. So it's, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who really has the experience that you do and the expertise because it's easy to do things based on opinion, but we really enjoy having the answers behind why. Why do you do this? What benefit is it to you and your horse? And your why is different than somebody else's. So that's why speaking to someone like you, you have so many options. So it's fantastic. We're excited. Thank yeah, you. it's it's really good. And so what I was going to say is, you know, somehow someday I want to get to the store in person, but a lot of people that don't live in Ontario can go to your website and you have a full range of all of your products, a lot of your products that we can order online. And so you guys have so many different solutions for barns and property, like you said, like the stalls and the fencing. Out of everything that you sell now, is there currently something that you specifically consider your specialty? Uh, still the... Uh, the fencing, we still have two install crews, so we're on the ground every single day. We have uh, eight guys, four guys per crew that uh, we're on horse farms every single day. So we see what's working and what's not working and what people aren't doing maintenance on and what people need to do maintenance on and and what we should sell to people. And then we try to, we have a sales meeting once a week and we kind of go through different jobs. And then the, uh, the, there's really just two parts to our business. The tax store is there. We have it online. Uh, they're great products, but the, uh, the stalls is the other way. We've, we've spent a lot of time and money developing what I feel is some of the best products in the market. We were down at the world equestrian games, uh, when we were allowed to go to trade shows a couple of years ago. And, uh, and it just re-solidified that based on the other suppliers down there that we do have the, some of the best doors in the market, especially for the colder climates, some of the best windows in the market, and then and the stall system designs. Uh, no one has as many stall designs. And we do everything ourselves. We, we, uh, 
punch the steel, we cut the steel, we weld it all together. Uh, we don't powder coat it because someone can do it better than us. We, we have someone with a nine stage wash and a, it's, it's a couple million dollar powder coat line. So it, that's the nice thing that, that we can design it and build it and ship it to you and sometimes install it. Well, I have to say the stalls that I've seen that have been built from System Equine are absolutely beautiful. And I've seen so many different degrees of, I don't know how to explain it. So you have like- Low, medium, your, and high. Yeah, like you have these <laughs> these barns that are, are a two-stall barn all the way up to these really elaborate setups. And they're all, the first thing that you do when you walk in is just go, oh, wow, this is so pretty. Like everything just looks so nicely put together and you can tell that it's quality. So that's the first thing that I noticed, I guess, when I learned about system equine. Yeah. And we've always done things in three where we have a, 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 a good, better, best. And uh, because the market demands it, the, mm-hmm. not everyone can afford a $4,000 stall front, yeah. but the, and really the $4,000 stall front doesn't hold the horse, isn't any safer than the $600 stall front. It's, it's just people's perception. And if you're in a show barn or a sales barn and you come in as a customer going to buy a, a show horse or a sale horse or anything, then perception helps you. Uh, a $10,000 horse might be worth $20,000 if it's in the, the right setting. And it's just the way people's mind thinks and brains think. Yeah. Okay. So Dwayne, I'm guessing that you've heard it all when it comes to issues that people have in their barn and on their properties. So what would you say are some of the most common problems or issues that people come looking for solutions to? Probably the right. So in the, in the barn, we don't do a lot with ventilation, but uh, a lot of people have issues with ventilation. And, and all the issues that happen after you live with low ventilation over the five or 10 or 20 year period, uh, condensation in the walls, uh, doors not working because uh, hot air is trying to get out of the door and cold air is trying to get in the door and they freeze and jam the stalls up. Um, so ventilation uh, flooring in, in the barn and in specifically in the stalls. A lot of people are upgrading to stall mats or the stable comfort system, just because it is uh, less impact for the horse. It's way better for the horse. Outside paddock setup is probably the the biggest thing is they want to utilize efficient, utilize their land. They want to close off the front of their properties. Uh, A horse will stay behind two strands of electric fence, the same as they will stay behind four for board fence or for uh, flex fence. But it's, again, it's people's perception that it's not going to be as safe for their horse. And the horses have to learn when they, when they turn horses out in, in, a, in a lower visibility fence and you have to teach the horse where the, where the fence lines are. I had so many questions come up as you started talking. So I knew this one was going to elicit some, some more questions. So first of all, I seriously thought just given what I've heard around here, that the first thing you were going to say was mud. I thought that that would be the mud biggest is a big thing, thing too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then the mud ventilation, yeah. what do you, what's the, what's the solution for the ventilation? Low level inputs, high level outputs. You, you have to exhaust the, the, all the moisture that gets built up in a barn. So 
there's uh, ventilation chimneys, there's end fans, there's humidistats. I'm not an expert on it, but it does pay to get someone in your local area to, to kind of come in and, and do an, a, an evaluation of it to, to get that crappy air out of the building. And a, a horse uh, would be way happier if we left them outside all the time. Yeah, that's where they grew up. That's where they started from. And we've decided to put them in these big fancy barns and, and close them up and, and get heat in there for so our fingers don't freeze and our water doesn't freeze. Is it the safest thing for the horse? Probably not, but it's, it's the best thing for us and, and we're keeping the horses. So yeah, ventilation is our big thing and, and opening the doors and, and letting the air flow through. It's, it's no problem You're using a Dutch door and having the top doors open so that the predators and that can't get in through the bottom part of the door, but leave the top doors open at night. Great idea. As it gets colder, you can't functionally, you can't do that because the barn won't function properly. Mm-hmm. Did you have questions, Nikki, too? Cause I have another one. If you know, <laughs> I know you, they're just stewing in you. I can tell. So I'm just, I'm going to let you go with it. Okay. So with the other thing you said, so you said ventilation and oh, the stalls. So literally 10 minutes before we started this conversation, I saw on Facebook, somebody looking for the comfort stall mats. And I've been, I've been thinking about those too. Cause so we have a cement, smooth cement. And then I put those rubber three quarter inch mats down, but I've been telling my husband for a while now that I'd really like those really nice, soft, cushy ones. (laughs) And one of my questions is how do you set those up in on the side so that they attach to the stalls, but then you're not, but they're not blocking the doors from shutting and things like that. So specifically on the front start part of the stall, you have to put a two by two across the doorway. And then it'll go up the side walls of your back wall, side walls, front, so your barn, only up two inches. So basically you lay a rubber filled mattress down. You put, um, you cut the last one or two mattresses of the crumb and put it on top. So that takes away any of the undulations of the mattresses. You put this uh, top cover in that's about a quarter inch thick. Uh, it's rubber with kind of a felt on the backside. And it runs up the walls about two inches with a plastic strip. So it kind of goes in like carpet, but coming up the wall. So it traps any of the urine. Um, You only use enough shavings to soak up the urine, which is the really nice thing. You're not betting for comfort. You're not betting six to 12 inches thick for comfort. You're just betting to soak up the urine. It's amazing how many times we get back from a customer. My horse never lays down. I put these in, the horse is laying down all the time. I had a stall walker because he's more comfortable. He's not walking the stall anymore. Now that's, I I never say never with horses because I was in a barn the other day and they have gone through two top covers over the last 10 years because they have a stall walker, but it's, it's very unusual for that to happen. So they, they do last a long time. Uh, there, there's a few different manufacturers on the market, but they, they do work. Okay. I have a question, Nadine. I know I just cut you off. That's okay. Okay. Keep it in your mind. Let's say that I'm designing a new barn. I'm in Nova Scotia. You're in Ontario and I want stall fronts from you. And I want beautiful, comfortable stall floors for my, for my horse. Now, do I just order those from you and then they get shipped to me and then I know I have to like learn how to put them up and install them myself. Or do you know people in Nova Scotia that, that install? Uh, that was literally the same question I was just going to ask. Okay, perfect. 
A little bit of both. So uh, we've tried to design the website so that uh, you can pick your stall front, you can pick some of the options. And then we've got six sales sales staff. They're on the phone all the time, just talking about stall layout, fencing uh, and product. And that, so that's six people just in the fencing and the stall side. That's not any tax store stuff. That's totally different division. So most of the time, if you already have an existing barn, then a lot of times the customers will do it. If it's a new barn, then a lot of times a contractor will be working on the new barn and we would work with the contractors. We have, we work with contractors right across Canada and the U S and, and we've probably grown the U S market 15% in the past year. And we've shipped product down over to Abu Dhabi, uh, into Dubai, down to Costa Rica, Hawaii, Alaska, all through, we do a lot in Wellington, Florida. So we ship product everywhere and it ships really well. It ships on a skid. It can, it ships right to your farm. So you're going to load it. So yeah, it's a bit of both. We can work with the customer. We have videos for installation or we can work with the contractor. We don't send guys, especially with COVID, we used to send guys down to the States and that, but uh, right now they can't travel or we lose them for two weeks when they get back. So it gets really expensive for a customer. Okay. Go for it, Nadine. I can see it stewing. No, actually that an- that completely answered my question. I would definitely be the person that would hire someone to come in and do that for me because neither my husband or I c- would want to figure that out and mess it up. So I'm sure there are people around that could read or watch the instructions. And my husband yeah. would be like, I'm doing it all. And I yeah. read the instructions. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of our listeners know just from past episodes, I have the reason that this interests me so much is because just in the last couple of years, I rent- renovated our new... Well, we bought a new property two years ago and we had a three car garage when we moved in and we renovated it to make it into a three style horse barn. And so I had to make a lot of these changes and I did a lot of Google searching and asking a lot of friends and I actually talked to people at your company and we ordered one of the drinking posts and it was great. And so I'm just wondering for people that are looking for recommendations about their barn and stall layout and choices when it comes to flooring, insulating, stall doors, things like that. Is is there something that like some kind of recommendations that you can give in terms of the layout? The first thing I would have said when you were, if you were calling in, you were talking to me and hopefully my sales staff did a, did a good job, but uh, I'd make that space functional. So I would probably gone with the freedom or West Anna stall panels. So that if you ever move, you can A, either take them with you or B, the, the next customer can make it back into a garage. I always like to design uh, functional spaces. So not everyone is going to have horses. Not everyone, if you go to sell the property, not everyone's going to want to have horses on that next property. So the more variation you can make that makes it appeal when you sell, I, I feel that's better. Hence why we developed the, some of the panel stalls and that. At the same time, when you're doing the layout, first of all, we would ask you how many, how many horses you're going to have on the property. So if you have a five-acre property and you're having three horses, I'm going to say that's, that's pretty good. If, if you, uh, other than Wellington, Florida, where they put 12 horses on five acres, it doesn't happen. I, I don't see it happening anywhere else in the world, but uh, they they are allowed to do that. So up here, I would say 
on a property, you want kind of an acre per horse if you're if you're designing outside spaces and and uh, because you need somewhere to live, you need room at your house, you need the barn. If you're built board, if you're gonna so the next question we probably ask, what are you going to do? Is it just a private facility? Is it uh, you're going to run it as a commercial operation? Are you going to run it as a boarding facility or lesson barn? Because each of those ideas, uh, we would design it a totally different way. Uh, if you're doing a boarding or commercial operation, I'd have a separate driveway that comes in. So they're not coming past your house all the time. I'd have the barn. So you maybe can't see the main part of where you're working from your pool area that you're trying to relax at some time on the weekend and we all know horse people don't have time to relax either but <laughs> <So good. laughs> um so we kind of work through and i don't if we had a couple hours we could go through each scenario but it's best to talk to one of our staff or reach out to me directly and and just kind of start the the process and then start doing some little layouts on a piece of paper i use google earth uh, all the time. And in Ontario, I use Ontario Ag Maps from OMAFRA. And most municipalities have a GIS program. So a GIS is uh, um, basically high-level maps, better than Google Earth has it. And you can usually search your municipality or your province or and their actual photographs. And they're usually only a couple years old. And they, they give you great views of your property and you can start laying out paddocks. You can start uh, having some ideas. And we also have a Google map tool on our website, a fence estimator that you can start laying out your property with too and gives you all the measurements. So that's, that's kind of where I would start and, and just reach out to us because uh, each, each one of our salespeople have a little bit different experiences and different ideas too. Yeah. So I think that you're right. We could talk about this for a very long time. It's a big, it's a big thing. And so one of the things that I, well, there were a lot of decisions, but one of the decisions I made was first of all, to have garage doors that, that went in instead of the sliding doors. And it was actually the contractor that really pushed me to do that. Cause I thought it would look a lot nicer to have sliding doors at the front and back. And he really was like, mm, I think you're going to like this, the garage doors much better. They're not going to freeze. They're not going to be blocked by snow and things like that. And I'm so, so happy that I did. And also I can push the button from inside the house and have it open or close if it's raining and stuff. And also was the Dutch doors. I, I was really interested to get your opinion on the Dutch doors because I'm now that I've had it and I really wanted the horses to be able to come in and out of their paddock if they wanted to, but they do make a lot of mess. They drag the shavings in and out of the paddock and they also use their stalls as a bathroom instead of the outside. So I'm just wondering your opinion on those things. Uh, a lot of places down the Southern States, they use Dutch doors and they have a paddock outside each of their barns or, and actually Alberta does it a lot too. The challenge with uh, the Northern climates and Dutch and doors coming out of the stalls is the, the biggest one is ice in the winter time. Half the time you can't use the door in the winter time because the ice builds up on the outside. You don't get to it before a horse steps on it and shovel it out of the way, or you get an ice storm and it's three inches thick. And then the doors are useless for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. a, a horse Dutch door, because the moisture in the barn and that, it never seals absolutely 100% perfect. It always has a gap in it. And, and between the doors, there's no way to seal it because there's 
they're you need so much extra weather stripping and then the horses when they're bored they pull all the weather stripping off because mm -hmm. they're bored and they can get an edge on it and they and they just chew it so if if you were in the southern climates i would say dutch door is a great idea um we've moved a lot of people to our our windows so horse can still be in the stalls and have their horses have their heads stick out the windows and not uh but not have access to the outside because the other thing with doors going to the outside most of the paddocks are only 12 foot wide because your stalls are only 12 foot wide. there you go yeah, 12 foot by 20 off of the uh off of the barn um for them to go outside it, it, i'd rather see them out in a paddock and 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 be rotated through the paddocks in the northern climates in the u.s in the southern u.s and that it's not a bad idea because you don't need to close your barn up tight okay yeah that that makes sense and yeah, I find that for sure. When when our contractors first did our doors, they, they were just carpenters building them for us. Um, and they had these these gaps that were probably half an inch. And I came in and I said, no, 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 no. They can't be like that. <laughs> you know, and they didn't have an experience and with this. So I said, the horses are going to have a draft right through the middle. So they actually built a steel piece and smoothed it out and everything. I don't know how much I paid extra for that, but they had to smooth it out so that the gap was covered up and the doors um, shut properly. But even now, like they tried their best to make it so that they wouldn't, because they knew they would warp because they were wooden. Yep. And so what I would recommend is just buy your doors from system equine <laughs> that are already built. Yeah. We do all steel doors. Uh, we probably on our 12th uh, um, revision of the Dutch doors, just, there's so much to them. You, you think, oh, it's just a set of doors. You can just close, open, close. We, we use a full uh, commercial door frame so that even if the barn shifts, the chances of your Dutch doors are shifting are less. And then we have adjustable hinges. So if something, if a horse knocks something out of alignment, then uh, they, you can adjust it back again. We use heavy duty latches. And we're constantly uh, updating. We're, we're just experimenting to right now with some aluminum uh, profiles to do aluminum doors. We wouldn't use aluminum doors in the actual horse stalls, but uh, for entrance doors and, and man doors and stuff, they'd be awesome too. That's great. I grew up with Dutch doors, but my parents didn't have paddocks off of them and they still caused grief. So they're beautiful and they're the thing that I wish I had in my barn now because the, like the aesthetic is very nice. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if I was to do that, I would definitely be going to you guys and making sure that I had them built and done properly uh, so that I could actually have them functioning. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Pache Motors, the largest Ram HD dealer in Atlantic Canada. They are family owned and operated and their highly trained staff know trucks, towing and hauling better than anyone. I have a question out of all of this, and I know that this is going to help someone <laughs> because at some point, I know that someone can relate to it. If you have a gelding that gets out of everything, what sort of door latch do you recommend? <laughs> uh, we have a horseshoe latch that is safe, that not like the old slide latches that protruded past the end of the door and you get a rib caught on it. We have a um, horseshoe latch that we can put a snap or if he's really bad, a padlock on 
that uh, combination or keyed and keep the key in the house that uh, does work very well. <laughs> We've experimented so many different types of latches, but the, the horseshoe latch is probably the, uh, the best one for that application. Okay, awesome. Yeah, my guys can get the snap off. Like <laughs> yeah. That. So yeah, that you, you might be what I that. resort to. So the, the other part about latches and horses and, and we've had fire, some more fires over the last uh, five years and especially in Ontario. And I'm not sure if you've had many fires out, uh, out east, but uh, we've actually um, worked with Equine Guelph on training firefighters to open the different types of latches because wow. horses are freaking out in the, in the smoke and a firefighter is trying to go in and they don't know what way to get a horse out and, mm. and uh, in the dark in, in when there's no light in there. So we've actually done some training with them on the different types, types of latches that they might counter when they're in a, in a fire. That's really great to hear. And the other piece of that is what a great thing to actually go over with like people that are around or like I'm thinking of people we have a ton of people that work around our barn that aren't necessarily horse people but you know that if there was something happening they would be somebody that would probably be close I feel like those people need that training and I need to go have those conversations yeah, that's, yeah and a lot that's of times really you can actually reach out to your fire department and they'll yeah. come out and do a barn tour and and that too so at least you give them some training like you chances are you getting at the actual guy that comes out attending to your fire and hopefully it never happens. But, uh, I, I think in a lot of municipalities, they, they will actually come out and, and give you some ideas and, and cause fire safety is a, a big thing too. And it's another whole, another topic. The, the biggest thing I've read, this is not something that we plan on talking about all, at all, but was about fans and stuff like fans in the summer with people having open motors and stuff. That seems to be a thing that causes a lot of fires. Hey. Yep. Yeah. Hanging the fan on the front of the stall, um, ha hanging a, uh, having a heater in the tack room with a blanket over top of it. Um, having a tractor plugged in uh, their block heater right next to the barn or in the barn try to put it away from the barn. I, two fires around here and one we lost a couple of horses in started from the tractor, uh, block heater catching on fire beside the barn. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's scary. That's, uh, that's really good to, to know though, because so many, you know, you hear and you see of barn fires. And the first thing I think of is like, bad wiring or someone was smoking. Like those are just the two things that come into my mind. I would never think of, you know, um, well, you know, heaters in the tack room, that's probably another good one, but the block heater, that's really good to know. It yeah. is because even in my house, because sometimes the heater is on and you didn't realize like that time of year when you have it set at 16 or 17 degrees, but it's not necessarily coming on every day and you're not used to it. That it, our vacuum hose got melted because it was too close to the heater and the heater happened to come on because it was that time of year. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, that could absolutely happen in my barn if the heater was happened to be set and there was something beside it, you know? Yep. Okay. We're going to just switch off that topic because I think that's <laughs> yeah. something that we could probably do a whole other podcast episode mm -hmm. on. And I also think it would be a really important one to do. So we're going to put that in, uh, in our notes, Nadine. Make notes of that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's just switch just a little bit. So 
Dwayne, when it comes to water sources, horse owners often have either like single buckets, larger water tubs, or automatic waterers. So can you give us an overview of what you think the pros and cons would be of some of the different watering sources and uh, your opinion on the efficiencies versus cost? Sure. Yeah, we um, probably start in the barn, uh, in the stalls. Uh, You should have fresh water every day for your horse. And whether you use an automatic water, uh, there's a couple different types, uh, a push to fill, a uh, float valve, a the Nelsons use a bowl with a weight system. So as the water, as the horse drinks the water, the it refills the bowl. The I like automatic water in the, in the stall. Some people don't um, just because they, they don't feel they can see how much the horse is drinking, uh, which is true. But if the horse is in overnight and you're handling the horse every day and you're going in to feed the horse every day, most people know if there's something not right with that horse. So there, there is a pro and a con to it. Um, some of the, the higher end stables will set up two water bowls in, in a stall and have an automated uh, semi-automatic system. So they'll have the hoses already plumbed to the stall and have a valve on the outside of the stall so they can go down and they can turn multiple valves on and then walk back and start turning them off as the, as the bowls fill. We've done a lot of those systems, uh, especially down in Florida and Texas over the last few years, because from a labor savings point of view, it saves a lot of labor. If, if you have a 20 stall barn and you have two people working it, mucking stalls, feeding and doing water, and you have two buckets per stall, so you have 40 buckets, you're gonna clean them every day and then fill them every day and carry them back into the stall, it's a lot of extra labor. So if you're setting water buckets up, I kind of recommend two buckets in the stall. It, it kind of lets you rotate them in and out. And we have snaps that uh, can hold the bucket or a really neat one is our pail safe bucket hook. It's, uh, you just kind of feed the bucket up through uh, a maze of uh, aluminum and uh, they can't get it off the wall. It's, it's really nice. I, I wouldn't water on the, on the ground in a stall because they step on it, knock it over. Mm-hmm. Um, we've used the drinking post in the stall and that's a nice system because it's a push to drink and the water is never sitting in the bowl. So the water drains like a frost-free hydrant back into the ground every time um, after they're finished drinking. So that's kind of the, the two buckets, uh, the Nelson waterer. Uh, there's a couple other different manufacturers, the, 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 the plastic water, steel water. I like the plastic better. It lasts a lot longer. The only one I really don't like that much is the float waters because they seem to get hay and straw and, and that in and shavings and they just plug and then they flood your stall and mm-hmm. you come back in the morning and there's a whole bunch of water in there and it's, it's ruined all the bedding and everything. For outside, uh, some people are still using water troughs outside. A lot of people are still using water troughs outside. And the challenge with it is you have water that's sitting there all day long. It uh, gets stagnant. Uh, it's a mosquito haven for breeding and they're not getting fresh, clean water with every drink. So we like to promote the drinking posts. The drinking posts we brought in probably about five or six years ago. And we have almost 3000 in the Canadian marketplace that, that we've sold. And it's been awesome and they just came out with a whole new redesign of it 
Uh, we've carried the Nelson bowl, water bowls for probably 20 years, uh, stainless or aluminum. Again, easy to, easy to clean, easy to do maintenance, but you do have to run electrical to it for the winter time. So it is a 250 watt heater. The bowl itself has a heater underneath of it. So there's no uh, heat rate or there's no electrical rate in the bowl. So outside water trough, drinking post um, and the uh, Nelson waters, where, where you set your water up, if you can lay out your paddocks with, a, we call it kind of a sacrifice paddock or the equine Guelph calls it a sacrifice paddock. It's an area where you're going to turn horses out if it's a crappy day, if you just got an inch of rain and you don't want to wreck your field, then you turn horses out into that small field. And when it's nice out, you open the gate into the big field, but keep that gate open so they can come back and forth for water. And then that way you're cutting down the number of water bowls you're doing. You're not having a, a water bowl in 10 different pastures. So at the very least, run a frost-free hydrant which is uh, one of those blue or red and you pull the handle up and it, the valves down below the frost line, it opens the valve up, the water runs out, have one of those in your barn and a hose to it that you can run to each stall and out in the paddock that's close to your paddocks that again, if, if you need to, you can fill that stock tank, but you have water right there and you don't need electricity for that. So it's a lot easier to put in. And, but most areas of Canada, you want to go down four or five feet. With, uh, with the line out to it. We used to sell a heated hose for a couple of years and it, it just, uh, we sold a bunch of them, but uh, they just never held up and worked properly. The first batch wasn't UV stabilized. So a uh, red hose was soon a very light orange and then broke down quicker than that. So uh, there are other, there are collapsible hoses or scrunchy hoses that if you have to use a hose, use one of those in the winter time. The summertime it's not too bad um you can you, we don't sell them but you can find uh floats for stock tanks so you can run your hose out there and hook up to the stock tank some simple things uh even running a whole uh a water line just below the surface and use it all summer that goes out to your paddocks and then lug buckets in the winter time uh, kind of one of those uh barn uh hacks where you you can do it. It's not going to cost you a lot of money at the start. And you see if it's, if later it's worth that thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars to put water lines in and a frost free hydrogen out of the paddock, then at least you've de demonstrated to yourself that it's worth it. I love that you said that. And I think that that is a great example of a non horse person coming up with an out of the box idea because, so like I said, we have the pasture that has the frost free post but we have a second pasture that I still fill up with the stock tank and I'm like, you know, really wanting another post. Right. But my husband doesn't want us to dig up the entire front lawn. Cause it'd have to go like way across the yard to do it. And my father-in-law said, well, why don't you just run one of those lines like they do for the, the lawn sprinklers? Irrigation. Yep. Yeah. So you don't have to dig up the lawn and just put it right under the surface and then, because you're only going to use that paddock in the or the pasture in the summer anyway, we don't even put the horses out there in the winter. So I'm so happy that you brought that up, that that is a thing that people do. Yep. We have a three foot drinking post that we just brought out too. So you can just get a three foot one. It just drains onto the ground when the horse is finished drinking, but it's still, it's not a mosquito haven. It's fresh, clean water with every drink. 
That's really good. And we've done that quite a bit with the Nelson bowls over the years too, is just get a non-heated one, set it on a little concrete pad and run a hose into it. And you can do it with stock tanks too. And just to touch a little bit on what you said about how people like to see how much their horses drank. I know that is a bit of, I think that is a bit of an old school thing. And I just happen to be around my horses. I I work from home. So I see them all the time and I take care of them myself and I only have two. So I know what they drink all night and I see what they drink when they go out and they will leave their bucket three quarters full in their stall from overnight and then wait and go out and drink and drink and drink from the water post when they go outside. So I have multiple videos of them doing this. They'll wait and go out and drink from that. They prefer the fresh water that's moving. And I just love that it doesn't sit. And I think that they prefer that as well. So I really urge people that use that as an excuse that they want to see. I think you can tell if your horse is dehydrated, if they're not feeling well, there are other ways than to just look at their actual water intake from that one bucket that's in their stall. And I agree. And and we've converted quite a few people, but there, there's still people that think that and, and, if you're turning out 10 horses and you have a, a hundred gallon stock tank, you're not going to know anyways. No. So. And the other piece of that is that if your horse actually would drink more with the other method of watering, you wouldn't know that unless you tried it either. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's an important thing is just for people, again, this is why Nadine and I, I do what we do. It's for people to really think about like, why am I making this choice? Or like, am I really that committed to this water bucket? Can I look for alternatives that not only are going to make my life easier, but also might actually improve the quality of life for my horse um, beyond just what I've always done or what I think is working the best right at this time. With, with the drinking posts, 56 degree water all year round. So it, it, yeah. it comes out with that water at that water temperature in the summer, in the winter, they're going to drink more in the, in the uh, winter because it's warmer water and they're going to drink more in the summer because it's cooler water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it does make a big, uh, it makes a huge difference. Cool. I swear I could sell those drinking posts. I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what sort of things would you consider luxuries um that you say are like totally worth it and more common than we would think probably uh, on the lines of the drinking posts that uh more and more people are putting in automatic waters and both in the in the stalls and out in the paddocks that, that's a big one um some ones that you wouldn't think of we're starting to do quite a few rubber flooring flooring in the in the stalls and a floor sweeper or a or a walk behind scrubber is especially with labor nowadays. And right now it's, it's easy to find cheaper labor that volunteering because of COVID and they want to come see their horses and not stay at home. But uh, as the market gets uh, back to normal and you have to pay labor to come into some of these bigger barns, we always have to find um, swinging hay feeders or swinging um, grain feeders is a big one too because they can feed all from the outside of the uh, stalls and then just turn them back into the stalls for bigger facilities mm-hmm. uh, sacrifice paddocks with uh setting up paddocks that um and shoots to go out to fields that are further away so you're not having to walk to to turn your horses out so far that's a a big one that a lot of people are starting to think think about too i do have a question sorry nadine did i cut you off no go ahead um 
So one thing that I've seen for feeding, I've seen the corner tubs that it almost ha- looks like it has three different spots. So a hay and possibly two grain spots. Maybe there's only or one. Supplements. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. So supplements, grain and hay. Yeah. Um, do you find that people go towards those things or is that like, what are the pros and cons to that versus having the grain bucket and then your hay up in a rack? It's um, they're just so big and most of them. So uh, we don't, we don't sell a lot of them. We've have sold a few, but we don't sell a lot of them just because they take up a lot of real estate in a stall. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people still feed on the ground uh, for hay. It's a natural way to feed. It's, uh, it's better than every, everything else. Uh, when you put a hay net up on the, on the wall, um, they're, they're eating the opposite way they would normally eat. So it's, it's harder on the horse with just a side thing, uh, salt licks, salt licks. If you're going to put a salt lick in your stall and you have painted stalls, don't do it at the front of the stall, put it at the back of the stall. Um, because they transfer the salt onto the powder coat paint and it really does a job on the powder coat painting. Mm-hmm. So just, just a note that I've been into some barns and, and you're like, why is this rusted already? And it's a lot of times you'll see a salt look just inside the stall. And oh, that's, a, that's good a good point. point. We, yeah. we never, we don't put that warning on anything. So I'll have to make a note of that. Start putting <laughs> that warning in our instructions too. So a couple of little luxuries that I have been thinking about are, first of all, there, there's this white paneling that you can get to go inside your barn. Is that something you sell that is like easily washable and just makes it like a brighter look? Yeah, there's a, a couple different ones. And, and the one I like the best, you can't use it in a stall, this one, um, mm. but you can use it in wash stall, grooming stalls, uh, ceilings, is the truss core. And uh, I don't know if anyone watches Island of Brian, but uh, he must have just got sponsored by Trustcore because he's <laughs> been promoting it. Really, uh, Brian Baumler has been promoting it a lot. It's it's one of the best products that uh, that I've seen come around in a while for full wash down, uh, no mold, mildew. Looks great. Comes in white and gray. Um, doesn't uh, it will expand and contract but it doesn't look like it expands and contracts like some products the puck board which is used in hockey arenas quarter quarter inch thickness is great full wash down but it's so hard to keep flat and not uh not wavy on the wall because it expands and contracts so much with the different temperatures uh we have another product called tough board tough board is great it's got uh plastic on the outside and a plywood skin on the backside and they're actually pressed together so that the plastic stays flat and doesn't uh, have a lot of expansion and contraction to it so that's another one that I would recommend it's just a bit shinier so it looks shinier in your barn so the sheen is just seems to be off a little bit and yeah those are kind of the three main products that that would there there are some recycled wood products that are coming out that are tongue and groove that you can use in a stall and some polyethylene products. They're expensive right now, but with the price of wood uh, that it's gone up in the last little bit, they're, they're getting closer and closer to being the same price. Okay. So with that, you said it's called Trust Core, the white yeah, Trust Core. Stuff. So do you have to, what is the prep to put those on? Do you just get it and you can put it right onto the studs? Yep. 
Yep, 16-inch centers. Uh, you can screw right to the studs. You can run it vertically or horizontally. It's 16 inches wide, so it, it's an easy install too. Mark is going to be so mad that we did this interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Our friends in New Brunswick, I believe they have that yeah. already and we've seen it. And so we know, <laughs> we know what it looks like. <laughs> and, and we think like, we like it to be easily cleaned. And right now I'm really battling the spiders and the spider webs everywhere. And I just think it would be so much nicer if I didn't have all those different studs to sweep between but anyway. well, even the the fly dirt uh if you put steel up on the ceiling of your barn over the years you can see that the just the fly dirt on it mm-hmm. um, just kind of gets into the steel on the truss core it's a simple pressure wash and and it all comes off it it, it it is a nice product, but it is, it, it's not for high impact situations. So it's not for the back walls of a stall. If you were doing a, a down in Florida or a lot of times they'll use uh, concrete walls and, and we'll put stall mats right on the wall. So it, it'll be a black uh, mat on the wall. And that's a, that's a good, another option. Or if you get a really stall kicker, putting three quarter inch mats on the wall. That's a great tip actually. It's a really good idea. Okay. So we've talked a lot about burn setups and things that make our lives easier, but we want to make sure that we're putting our horses first. And I really appreciate that you've mentioned a couple of different things already. So if we consider equine welfare and the etiological needs of over our human wants for comfort, low cost and efficiencies, what types of burn or property setup is actually best for the horse? The barn bill is really uh not be happy but a horse is way better outside the more they're outside and the more they have a run-in shed uh and they can stay outside it is healthier for the horse um we like to bring them in because we like to play with them we like to do stuff with them we uh we like to brush them and and talk to them and and we don't like to be cold doing it so we we bring them in the barn but that um we talked about ventilation a bit. That would be the biggest thing that, uh, again, and good footing for the stalls, which we kind of talked about too. So the, the stall mats or the stable comfort. The, the other thing, I guess, is uh, front fencing on, on a property is, is make sure you have good solid fencing at the front, especially if you're on a busy road and either a farm gate or an entrance gate or a separate uh, gate that's separate from your house that... Uh, so they can't get out on the road. We, we've seen numerous horses get out on the road over, over the years. And typically they get out at two or three o'clock in the morning. They don't get out at uh, nine o'clock when you're up and you can go and get them easily. So a good fencing at the front of the property, safe, safe fencing at the front of the property. And having, uh, as I've mentioned, geldings that like to escape, it's absolutely essential. <laughs> good, good latches, good uh, doors. So uh, Dutch doors so that uh, animals can't get into the barn at night, but you have the airflow uh, to get through at night. And electric fence on the outside of your fence, uh, if you're in a highly forested area and and you've kind of carved the paddocks out of the forest, because that way, if a predator, coyote or something tries to come over the fence, at least they're going to get zapped and maybe think twice of doing it. We do a lot of two by four uh, mesh on the outs in the outside of fields, so that uh, again it helps from the predators coming in. If you're in a wide open field and you have farm fields all around it, it's not as important because they're it's not an actual wildlife uh, 
track through there, but uh, if you're in, in the bush, then, uh, then think, to, think of some predator proof types of fencing too. Yeah, that's really good points. And I don't think, I don't know about you, Nikki, but we don't see a lot of wild animals coming into our fields here in Nova Scotia. Maybe deer are probably the biggest problem. We have eight deer that travel (laughs) and they (laughs) tore down our fence this winter. Um, But the other thing would just be bears and coyotes. Um, We've only seen one bear on our property and the coyotes haven't been a problem for us, but I know that they've been a problem in, in other places, not that far from us. Yeah. I guess one of the other things is uh, in the barn is is hot water and, and good lighting in, in the barn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's way easier to wash a stall, wash a horse down. Some people are just building wash stalls outside. Probably if you have a two or to four stall barn, you might not have a wash stall inside. So it's it's just having that area that you can you, you can wash down a horse, uh, a gravel area with some stall mats on top of it will be a natural drainage or a French drain, dig a hole just off the end of your pad and, and let the water filter down through there. Wash stall drain in the stalls. Uh, I really like to promote having a back drain instead of a drain in the middle of where the horse is. So a single slope to the back of your uh, wash stall is a nice option. Mm-hmm. I just, as we're talking, you just kind of think of different stuff yeah. uh, that we've done and seen over the years. Okay. So just even like the basics, I'm guessing that your stalls come in 10 or 12 foot sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So what do you say people would order the most? Are people going 12 by 12 a lot? Um, that is kind of the recommended, but I find around here with our little quarter horses, some people are like, nah, 12 foot's a lot. That's, that's a big stall for a quarter horse. So I'm, I'm just wondering, do you guys recommend something based on the size of the horse or you just kind of go 12 by 12 is the average. That's what's recommended the most space for a horse. No, we, uh, I, I, that would be one of our questions when we're talking to people at the, at the beginning and, and probably 10 by 12 is, is the average, okay. um, because it'll fit almost any horse, any horse show that, uh, that you take a hunter jumper to the stalls are 10 by 10 and the horses are there all weekend. So we know they can fit in that stall. Um, I feel a big fallacy is uh, 12, that you need a 12 by 20 stall to fold a horse out in. We've got lots of people that fall, fall out into a 12 by 12 stall with no problem whatsoever. It's again, it's a lot of times we think we need to do something because we've been told that or, uh, uh, where we learned about horses, they did that. But a lot of times it's, it's not the case too. And, and they will do just as well falling out in a 12 by 12 stall as a, as a 10 by 20 or a 12 by 20 stall. So and, 10 by 12, I would think would be the kind of the average. Yeah. And you just made me think too, again, back to our point of what's best for you. I think you really have to consider how often is your horse even in their stall? Because a lot for, for my own, they're in their stall basically for bedtime. So they go out at seven or seven 30 in the morning and they come in at seven 30 at night or whenever it's dark in the, in the winter. And so they don't, they're not really walking around in there a lot. They're not hanging out. They just eat and they go to sleep. So as long as they have room to eat and sleep, that's the basics. Now, if I was in a barn, 
you know, a show barn or something where they're just in their stall all the time when they're not being ridden, then maybe I'd want a little more space, but yeah. I think it just depends on the situation. 23 too. hours a day. Yeah. They're in 23 hours a day and they get ridden or they get turned out in a paddock for uh, around here. They'll get turned out for an hour or two in a paddock and the paddock could be 50 by 50. And so they don't have a lot of room to move around, but they functionally, whether you go 10 by 12 or 12 by 12 or 12 by 14, it's, it's not going to make any difference inside for a horse. They're not okay. getting exercise. Yeah. Okay. These are all fantastic bits of pieces of information and tips. And I have to say, having not grown up with hot water in my burn and not grown up with a wash stall, those are two things now as an adult that I'm like, I love being able to wash my horse down even in the summertime with warm water. Like I, they just, they love it. And I, I feel much better doing that. Um, but yeah, and just the convenience of having the hot water in the barn. It's funny now that you say it. Cause I don't even remember thinking about having hot water in my barn or not having it growing up and now going, Oh wait, like that's, that's a little bit of something that I didn't even realize people do or don't do. Um, okay. So we could probably continue asking you questions for hours, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we're going to get ready to wrap up the Q and a and move on to our, you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine segment. First though, are there any frequently asked questions or tips regarding burns and properties that we haven't touched on that you just like to bring up for a second and then just answer for our listeners? Probably one of the biggest things is how big do I make my paddocks? How big do I make my running sheds? And we touched on how big we made our stalls. So on the paddock side, uh, recommended for a sustainable horse paddock pasture is one acre per horse. Functionally, a lot of people don't uh, live up to that, uh, that pasture size. Just functionally, they, can't, they don't have that much room. In Europe, they do a lot of rotational grazing. So they, they uh, strip paddock the, uh, the fields and the, and the horses are on for three days in one part of the field and then three days in another part of the field and, and then so on until they come back to the first part of the field again. And in Europe, horses are a business. They're, people make real money with horses over there. Uh, in, in Canada, for sure, a bit in North America, uh, we go and we do our real jobs and then we pay for the whole, the horses stuff afterwards. And, and we do it because we're all passionate about having the horses and having them there and, and, and what they provide to us. Um, so I, I think we can do a better job with, uh, with grazing and, fertilizing pastures and in really dry areas, irrigating pastures if we have access to water so that we, we have better quality uh, hay and foliage for them to, to eat. With, uh, with mud, we have, uh, and the sacrifice paddocks and that, uh, some people are saying that, uh, and I've seen it, the horses are sinking down a foot to two feet in mud and, and not able to move and um we really have to if we get into that situation we really have to spend some money and strip off the organic material so their organic material is any of the horse crap um any topsoil any hay 
that all causes mud and we've got to get down to our sub base. So we've got to get down to either um, a, a hard base or a clay base and then build it back up with stone dust or whatever's available in your local area that they use for road building. You want something that's hard that, uh, and then you can use the grid. If you want a temporary solution, we have a hard grid that can go on. If you've got a foot of mud, it can go on top. And as the horses walk on it, it'll kind of work its way in over the course of the year. It'll get you out of that mud area. And then you can lift it out with the tractor bucket, uh, clean them off and put them back on next year in the spring again. And, and that's a good way to do it. In, in the barn side, uh, what stalls do I, should I go with? What, what do I need? And, and you just kind of work through what you think the requirements are. And then at some point in time, either they have to make a decision or you have to make a decision for them on what type of stalls that they're actually gonna do. Or is it gonna be a swing door? Or is it gonna be a sliding door? Benefits, uh, disadvantages to both. Are, are there gonna be grills all the way up to the top? Are they gonna have solid partition walls or grilled partition walls or privacy partition walls? Again, if you're in a eight foot high barn, uh, you're gonna wanna try to use grilled walls as much as possible. If you're in a 12 foot high barn, you can use solid partition walls. If, if the horses uh, don't know each other and you're in a boarding facility, then use a solid wall. If, they're, if the horses don't go, come and go that often, use a privacy partition. So the front privacy partition in the feed area, they, they're, they can concentrate on eating and then they can go to the back with the grills and socialize. So, so many different things that, uh, that you can consider when you're building your, your dream facility or, or renovating. Oh That's my cool. gosh. That was like, I hope people had their notepads out for that. <laughs> a lot. that they can so see cool. our faces as we go. Oh my, there's privacy. Yeah. It's so <laughs> like that's good. a lot of thought. That's awesome. You know, I just, it's like almost like planning your own house. You, you, yeah. There's so many different options. There's so many different things and you have to take into consideration. Okay. What horse do I have now? Well, what horse might I have down the road? And how do they get along? And how am I going to take on borders and all of those different things? It's, it's a really fun thing, but it's something that I really think people need to think out really well. Yeah. And they, and they have to have a realistic budget when they start the project. They, they, uh, um, if you don't have the budget, then wait a year. Well, not this past year. Cause then if you waited the year this past year, you'd be 30% more, but, uh, um, it uh, have the proper budget uh, to do it or do it in phases, put uh, two stalls in, but build the barn longer so you can put another four stalls in later on and, and build it uh, with purpose. That's really yeah. Good. It's, it's great that you said that because that's basically exactly what we did. We really looked at the property and the burn and we thought about, okay, what do we need to have now? What do we need to have to have in place for infrastructure going forward and what do we want to do later? So we built the barn and one pasture and then the following fall, we insulated the tack room and put in a heater. And also after a year, we made the second um, pasture. So we kind of did things in phases and we're still kind of rolling with it, but we just made sure when we laid it out that we had space for everything that we wanted to do in the future. And so we knew what we would do if we could in the future and also you know, to just not close off those options. Awesome. Yeah. Great way to do it. So I love our, you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. And it's always so fun sharing our stories and hearing about our guests' experiences. 
And we try to keep them sometimes some, somewhat on topic with the episode. So today we're sharing our favorite things about our own barns and properties. Nikki, what do you love most about your barn? Okay, so our barns, we just do small and functional because Mike and I, we only want to have two max three of our own personal horses because there's only two of us that ride. And this is, you know, because our barns are small, it forces us to really stick to this. But because our barns are small, we also have this option, which I love. We have two box stalls and there is a swinging door in between the two box stalls. So it can, our barn actually acts as their run-in and it opens up the full barn for them to use. But I use it all of the time where I'll actually just shut this or shut my, keep my front stalls closed and I can actually just switch horses around from stall to stall. Or if I need to move a horse into an empty stall, I don't have to go and put a halter on and then walk them from one place to the other. I can just open up that door, flip stalls shut that door. Um, it does give me another latch to try to, uh, horse proof because it has a deadbolt that I actually have to lift the door and my horse still can get it open. So we've had to work on, on making sure that that's because he'll, he'll open it and he'll go and hang out with the other horse for the night because he's bad. Um, <laughs> but that, that honestly, when I came, this is all Mike's innovation. This is nothing to do with me. And it's been in, in both of the barns that we have, that's what we have. And it's been my favorite feature for sure. I think you should take a video of that so you can show people because I've never seen anything like that before. I, th I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really functional. And I mean, we use it literally and we have a barn at home and then we have the barn that's attached to the arena and it our stalls get used as their run-in from either their pasture or their paddock. And, and that's the main function of it. But the other is just, it's very convenient when you're moving horses around. We're just doing a barn for Amber Marshall uh, right now, just working with her from Heartland and uh, she's going to do the swinging partition and, uh, and it makes a lot of, uh, makes a lot of sense too. Great minds think alike. Like Amber <laughs> and I were, <laughs> yeah. and we're, uh, we're doing a swinging tack wall for her too. Oh, cool. So they, oh, you can cool. have all your saddles on the inside and then, uh, and we've actually done four or five of them now. Um, where you can have all your tack on the inside, but then when you want to tack up, you just swing the whole wall around and you can use it on the outside in your alleyway. That's awesome. That's cool. All right, Nadine. Okay, so you wanna hear mine? Yeah. I had a really hard time with this because the drinking post is one of my number ones, but my sacrifice paddock, I could not live without. And I think if I didn't have it, I would have a lot more issues. Uh, my horses would be dirty and I probably have scratches and all of other things. So when we built our stalls, we made it so that we have a 30 by 40 fenced area and our horses can go in and out from their stalls. And we scraped off all the topsoil, like you said, and put gravel down and sand. So they come and go from that area or they're just out there for a couple months of the year in the spring for sure. And it, I would maybe like it to be a little bit bigger, but in the end it, it, they can trot and lope around there and play if they want to. And there's never any mud. So it's nice. supreme. Well, I guess mine would be um, a bit more of an experience. We did a fence for someone 30 years ago and, and for about 20 years, I drove past, 
back and forth. We moved since then, but back and forth this, uh, in front of this fence every day. And it was a uh, four inch top rail and four strands of coated wire. And my son's 21 and he wasn't born when I did the fence. And then I sent him out to paint all the posts for this customer uh, probably about three years ago. And I, the customer still, he's the customer's a friend of my dad's and uh, they still talk about Sam, me building the fence. And then my son, Sam coming out and working on the fence 21 year, 20 years later. Um, so I, I, I really, it's fun going out and seeing the customers places that you did 34 years ago. And, and we're just starting to redo some of those uh, fences that long ago so that's how long uh when you when you put the fence in properly that's kind of how long it's supposed to last so that's cool. like more of an experience <laughs> that is so cool that's really neat that must have been cool for your son as well yeah i think so other than you had to work but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um so we do have well we put it out there on instagram to our listeners and our followers and i had a lot of um, feedback on the things that they like. And a lot of people did talk about automatic waterers and the sacrifice paddocks. And I had one person that said that she has a manure pile that's attached to her barn. And I'm waiting to see pictures because I can't imagine how this works, but she said it's amazing because she can dump her manure and not have to go outside in the middle of the winter when it's raining. And I just need to see that set up. Have you ever seen that Dwayne? Yeah, actually it's uh, pretty cool. And, and some of them are automated. So some go into an, uh, another room. Uh, you don't want the smell coming right into your barn, but uh, the automated one that I've seen, you actually lift up a hatch and you dump it in and it's got one of the, uh, like the old cattle barn chains that uh, is on a conveyor and it takes it up to the top of the, uh, the bin that's attached in a barn and they come and remove the bin. Uh, another thing that's happening quite a bit in the, uh, in the horse world is composting and setting up an actual anaerobic composter where it processes the manure a lot quicker. So there's kind of three different bins that you move it through and some air that comes up from the walk from the bottom. And, uh, and you make actual manure that you can put on the field a lot quicker. So it's a lot more efficient and you uh, get paid kind of for someone taking it away instead of paying for someone to take it away but yeah I, I like we're a lot of times we're in Canada unless you're in uh, Victoria that is temperate most of the time build your barn so you can do most of the stuff inside and whether it's walkways between them or uh, heated viewing lounges for an arena but we're we're in Canada build it right <laughs> That's you great got that right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Dwayne. Someday when Nadine and I can actually take a road trip again, we will definitely be down or up where, where we are <laughs> to a uh, system yeah. equine in person. And I had the pleasure of visiting system equine in person, uh, when I was in Ontario purchasing my horse and I got myself a beautiful new pair of boots Awesome. And uh, for anyone listening who wants to check out what products and services they offer, you can go to systemequine.com and also find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Clubhouse. 
Yeah, that's actually how we originally connected, I believe. One of one of your employees we talked to through Clubhouse and then on Instagram. And so we were fortunate enough to get a hold of you that way. <laughs> oh, I've never even heard of Clubhouse before. So you got me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Snapchat and all these other ones, it, it, but it's hard to keep up uh, anymore. Well, someone is doing something right. Yeah, that's true. The fact that your business is on Clubhouse right now is really good for you. So find out who that is and give them a pat on the back. I will. I'm going to Google that uh, right now and see what this (laughs) Clubhouse is. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great night. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for the opportunity. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you know a fellow Canadian equestrian or equine business you think needs to be highlighted on the show, be sure to email podcast at informedequestrian.com so we can be in touch. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to send us some love is by sharing about Canada Horse Podcast and Informed Equestrian with your friends. And leaving a review is always appreciated. Your support means the world to us. Until next time. Right on, Canada.